I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's biggest Premier League game in years. For a long, long time now, we have watched on as Arsenal fans, as Manchester City and Liverpool went toe-to-toe at the top of the Premier League, wishing that it was us, wishing that we were involved in a game of that magnitude, wishing that we were one of the the top sides and one of the serious title contenders. And here we are. We are here. And this shows you the progress that Arsenal have made over the last couple of seasons. This shows you the job or how good the job that Mikel Arteta has done actually is. There's so, so much to be excited about, so much to be positive about. Now, of course, there's an element of nervousness. There's a there's a fear. There's a bit of caution, I think, among us going into this one, as there should be because of how much is at stake. But this is where you want to be as a fan. This is where Arsenal want to be. This is where we want to see our team. So I know you're going to feel anxious. I know you're going to feel nervous. I do too. But just enjoy this. You know, enjoy it for a little bit. Enjoy the build up to this. Enjoy the fact that we are top of the league and we're going head to head with a side who have been incredible in recent seasons for a Premier League title. And we meet in front of our own fans under the lights tomorrow night at Emirates Stadium. This is what football's about. These are the games that you you live for. These are the games that you want to be involved in. And yes, there comes, as I say, an added layer of nervousness and anxiety, perhaps. But that's what football's all about. You know, I remember going back to sort of the Champions League days And hopefully those days uh, are going to return very, very soon for us. But I remember the Champions League days and I remember people saying, oh, my God, I don't want to get Barcelona in the draw or I don't want to get Bayern Munich in the draw or or all of that. And yeah, there comes a point where you kind of want to get the best draw possible so that you can progress in the competition. But I never used to go into those games with fear. I never used to go into those games sort of downbeat. I used to go into those games with excitement because for me, what being in the Champions League was all about was going up against Europe's elite, turning up to Emirates Stadium where we attend on a regular basis and seeing the best players and seeing the best teams and pitting our wits against them and going up against them. That's what football is all about. So to be involved in this game is something that we should appreciate. It's something that highlights, as I say, the progress that this team has made. And yes, I am bricking it at the time of recording on Tuesday morning, but that's what we live for as football fans. So let's At least enjoy the build-up. We could moan about the aftermath if it doesn't go our way, but for now, let's enjoy it. Let's be proud of where we are. And let's get behind the boys. Let's get behind the team because they need us. You know, they need us tomorrow night. They're coming up against a very, very good side who I think are probably going to be more fired up than they would have been a couple of weeks ago. A, because we dropped points at the weekend and they managed to close that gap a little bit further. But B, because of what's going on around Manchester City. Whether you agree with, you know, what they've allegedly done or you agree with their model ownership in the first place or or as a kind of wider point, what you cannot deny is they've been fantastic on the pitch and they feel like they're being attacked at the moment by everybody and anybody. And, And I thought Pep Guardiola was right when he said that they'd almost been condemned 
already and that for him you know it was it was hard to take because nobody has given them the opportunity to answer their case. Now, again, whatever you think about that case, whatever you think is the the situation, whatever you believe with regards to their innocence or guilt, you know, as as a team, as a football club, they are going to fight this. And I think that's kind of given them a little bit of extra fire in their bellies, particularly in the Premier League, where you could have argued maybe earlier in the season or even as recently as a few weeks ago when they'd fallen quite away behind and, you know, there's obviously that need for Pep Guardiola or that desire, that hope that he'll go on and win the Champions League. You could have argued that the Premier League maybe took second place in their priority list. And so, yeah, there's there's loads to really think about here. But for me, now they're fired up. They're desperate uh, to go out there and prove people wrong. And, um, you know, we're the ones in that position at the moment, top of the pile. We're the ones, you know in the position from which you win the Premier League ultimately, and they're going to be looking to knock us off of our perch in the way that they've done to Liverpool over the years and in the way that they've done to so many other teams. We all knew all along that Arsenal were probably overperforming, overachieving based on what we expected and based on where we think this group and squad is at. And we all knew that City were performing at a lower level than what they'd shown us in recent seasons. So there was always going to be a time where the gap closed. There was always going to be a time where this thing was going to hang in the balance and we would need to get through that in order to go on and win the title. And it's why I've never been convinced that it was a done deal like some people have. It's why even when the gap was, it's why this point I never sat here and said, Arsenal are going to win the league. Can we do it? Yeah, I think we can. It's possible. It's a possibility. But it's by no means a foregone conclusion. And tomorrow is so significant because it could swing the pendulum one way or the other. You know, you look at Manchester City, if they win the game, they close the gap on us in terms of points. They go top of the league on goal difference. Okay, we have a game in hand at home to Everton, but you've still got to win that game in hand to put yourselves back in front of them. For Arsenal, the flip side is that if Arsenal go out there and beat Manchester City, they open up a six-point lead over Pep Guardiola's side with that game in hand that could potentially, if we went out there and win it, uh, won it, open up a nine-point lead. And that could be huge. There's so much at stake here. A draw, I think, slightly favours Arsenal in that Arsenal are in the lead already. So, you know, you keep them at the same distance. You move on, you go to another week. But I'll tell you what, our trip to Aston Villa at the weekend is by no means going to be easy. We've got Leicester away who just piped Spurs. In the Premier League, that's not going to be easy either because we know that on their day, they can perform to a much higher standard than what we've seen throughout the majority of this season. There's going to be lots of twists and turns. A draw I'd be content with, I think is the right word. A victory I'd be over the moon with. A defeat I think would really dent us. I really, really do. And that's why this game is absolutely huge for Arsenal and Arsenal fans. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Let's see where we're at. Uh, come uh, this time Thursday when we uh, sit down here to break it all down. Uh, apologies for the slightly earlier time of a live stream. Um, I've got a really, really busy day today and I wanted to make sure that I got this out with good time so that you guys could take it in ahead of the match. Uh, I'm at a BT Sport event tonight, um, going down to watch the Champions League there. Um, been invited down uh, on behalf of 90 Min. So really looking forward to going down there, uh, meeting some famous faces and watching the game uh, come on Milan. Uh, but also on top of that, this is interesting. I don't know how many people knew this. Did you know that Gaika Mendieta 
former Valencia Middlesbrough man. Did anybody know that he's a DJ these days? Because he is DJing at this event. I had no idea. So that's going to be interesting. Guy Comendieta on the decks. Never had him down as a DJ, but hey, don't judge a book by its cover, I suppose. Right, let's get into uh, this one then. So a lot's been made of, you know, Arsenal in the last couple of games and, you know, the fact that they've dropped points in consecutive fixtures and what that means and, you know, what that means for us moving forward, etc., etc. Has the 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 fall-off begun? Have the cracks begun to appear? And I'll be honest with you, look, Everton, it was a really bad performance. I sat here on the post-match podcast and delved into that and and was very clear in my opinion and thoughts on that. You know, we, we weren't at the races. We weren't good enough. We didn't deserve uh, to win the game. I'm not sure that we deserve to lose it, but we did because we got caught out on a set piece. We switched off and um, and Everton were able to get their noses in front. <coughs> I beg your pardon. When it comes to Brentford, we weren't bad. We weren't at our best. And I think more of that was down to Brentford defending incredibly well than Arsenal doing anything different to what they've done so far this season. And I made sure that on every platform I've been on over the past couple of days, I gave Brentford their credit because, my God, they deserve it. Looking at it from an Arsenal perspective, were we a little bit predictable at times? I think we discussed that in a lot of detail yesterday, and you could probably argue that we were. Um, Could we have maybe changed it up? Not necessarily just in terms of personnel, but in terms of the way we tried uh, to sort of turn it around and the way we tried to, um, you know, the, the the way we tried to get in behind. We got in behind successfully in the way that we've done it all season, just once really, maybe twice. And we needed to do that more frequently. And and the debate that we had yesterday was have Arsenal become too predictable. We love to create the overloads on the inside. Maybe sometimes we should look to create them on the outside and try to utilise the fullbacks in different ways. But the point I kept coming back to and the, the thing that makes me feel uneasy about saying rip it all up and start again or even tweak it to that degree is that the inverted fullbacks give us a stability defensively when we lose possession, and that's why we're able to reset really quickly, force teams wide when they try to counter-attack on us, and it gives everybody time to get back into shape. What used to happen to Arsenal prior to Mikel Arteta's days, and even maybe at the beginning of Mikel Arteta's days, before he got his sort of feet under the table and worked out exactly what it was he wanted to do and, and started to acquire the personnel to do it, we were vulnerable in the transition because we'd use those fullbacks as the widest players. We'd use them as that weapon to try and get them in behind. And Mikel Arteta's solution to that issue when he first came in, if you go back to the FA Cup win, was to use wingbacks and play with a back three. And that gave him that stability in the middle of the park that he craves. Now he's got better players. He feels like he can give us that stability just by, um, you know, just by tucking the fullbacks in a little bit. So, you know, there's lots to think about. And and as I said yesterday, there's no need to panic to the point where we're going scrap bin everything that we've done so far that's worked brilliantly well because of a couple of bad results, especially one that was a result of an appalling piece of officiating um, that PGMOL have come out, put their hands up, not good enough, doesn't change anything. So it feels like a hollow and empty apology, to be honest, uh, especially if we see Lee Mason covering a game again in the Premier League this season. It's just, yeah, 
um, we have to be able to mentally compartmentalize what happened at the weekend because some of it was down to us. Like if we were better, we win the game more comfortably. And then that one decisive moment doesn't have a major impact on the outcome of the game. And I get when people say that, and I understand that point of view, people saying Brentford deserves something. Yeah, they did, but you don't get points for creating chances. You get points for putting the ball in the back of the net and Brentford outside of that, didn't manage to do that outside of that moment, didn't manage to do that. And when they did clearly the goal, um, was illegal. Now, if you haven't noticed already, I'm still pissed off and frustrated about that. And it's going to take me a bit of time to get over it. I think a win over Manchester City tomorrow would go a long way in making me feel better about that. But yeah, um, we've got to be able to look at our performance against Brentford, understand that we weren't at our best, work out what we can do better, which I'm sure Mikel and his team will be doing and working towards on the training ground. But at the same time, you know, we've got to understand that we've it's not because we've fallen off it's not because arsenal are rubbish all of a sudden because had we beaten brentford the mood going into this game tomorrow would be very very different in terms of a, the way a lot of people are feeling so yeah you know you've got to be able to put that to one side and focus on this game was there an element of maybe arsenal thinking towards wednesday night's game at the weekend and was there an element of that impacting the way we started the game and maybe why we were a little bit slower in our start than we tend to be I don't know I don't know um these are all things that are worth discussing and worth debating but the big debate now is does Mikel Arteta change it in terms of personnel I've sort of been scrolling through social media over the last couple of days and I've seen a lot of people throwing up predicted lineups or the lineups that they'd like to see and one of the common things I've seen is Leandro Trossard coming in for Gabriel Martinelli another thing I've seen quite frequently is people suggesting you know, Ben White wasn't good at Everton. I thought it was his poorest performance of the season. I didn't think he was great against Brentford. And so one of the questions being asked at the moment is, should Takahiro Tomiyasu come in and replace him for the time being? Interesting thoughts, but you're going to be, I guess, maybe a little bit underwhelmed to hear me uh, tell you guys that, in my opinion, Arsenal should just... Um, stick with the same side from the off. I think that this is the team Arsenal need to go with. Ramsdale in goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Partey, Xhaka, Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka and Enketia. This has worked for the majority of the season, for all of the season, with the exception, I beg your pardon, of the game at Everton and Technically, it worked against Brentford because we should have won the game had that decision not gone against us. So I think this is the way to go. I really do. And I think you've also got to note that Manchester City are going to bring a very, very different style of football to the table. They're not going to um, play with a low block in the way that Brentford did. They're not going to play with a low block in the way that Everton did. They're not going to be as direct in terms of those long balls out of the defence. Where I do worry about Manchester City, obviously, is, is because they've got tons of quality all over the pitch, number one. Number two, though, one of the ways we've dominated games is by pressing high and by suffocating teams who, for the most part, weren't good enough to play their way around that and out of that. Manchester City certainly are. They are good enough to beat a press and they are good enough to expose what's in behind a group press because of the quality that they have on the pitch. So we're going to have to be right at it 
on Wednesday night. Arsenal are going to have to be at their best to win this game. And they're going to have to be at least at 85% to even get a point. I honestly believe that. Manchester City will have the bit between their teeth. They're up for this. They want to prove everybody wrong. They've got that us against the world mentality off the back of what's happening. You can certainly feel that from Pep Guardiola anyway in the press conferences and stuff that he's done uh, ever since those charges came to public uh, public light. So, you know, we got we got to be careful of them on the transition and we've got to be careful with the way we press. You know, one of the things that you can't afford to do when you play a pressing game is to do it half-assed. And you can't press with one line, not follow it up with the next line, and then not follow it up with the line after that. If you leave any gap, any space, if you do not do it in unison, and if you do not do it as a collective, it's very, very easy for sides with the capabilities of Manchester City to break lines and to get in behind you and to cause you problems. And where I would argue that Manchester City are better than Arsenal at the moment is that they are probably more clinical in and around the penalty area. And that comes with having the likes of Erling Haaland in comparison to Eddie and Ketia. You know, that comes with having seasoned professionals in the wide areas who, when they do get even the one or two chances in a game, can take them more often than our young players who probably, if I had one criticism, still need one too many chances to score a goal. That's what Manchester City have that we don't. They have that they have that kind of know-how. They have that experience of being in these types of positions, these types of games. I said right at the top of the show that this is what we wanted as Arsenal fans, to see us in these big games, to see us competing with the very best, to see us challenging for the title. But we've not been here for a long, long time, for a couple of decades probably. This group have never been here in most cases. You know, Thomas Partey's got the experience. He's been involved in title charges in Spain, understood, um, fine. Zinchenko's been there for the opposition, uh, ironically. But the rest of these guys, you know, Saka, Odegaard, um, Martinelli and Ketia, they've not been here yet. They've not been here before. And that can work one of two ways, right? You can either be fearless because you don't really understand the pressure of the situation or you can allow it to weigh you down. And given that you've not been there, maybe you don't have the capacity to be able to handle it and to channel it in the right way rather than allowing it to cloud over you and what you're doing. So, again, this is a big test. You know, we keep talking about this every week. This is a big test for Arsenal. This is a big test. This is the biggest test of all the tests that we're going to face this season. And if we can come through this with flying colours, if we can come through this with a one, I don't care how scrappy it is, if we can come through this with a victory, not only does it have huge implications on the Premier League table in terms of increasing our lead over Manchester City, but the the, the psychological impact of this is huge. And I look at this game and I look at the way the Premier League's gone this season and I do think to me, I do think to myself um, that, you know, the, the the points thing, it isn't that significant right now because in the Premier League where you can lose to anyone and you can drop points against anyone, points margins can be turned around quite quickly. What I think is more significant about this game, as I say, is the psychology of it all. And, you know, where it leaves us mentally. Because having dropped points against Everton, having dropped points against Brentford, 
to then drop points against your closest rival, knowing in the last couple of weeks that, well, they didn't make up ground when we uh, obviously lost to Everton because they lost at Spurs. But then they made up ground this weekend. You, you wonder how that's going to impact people mentally. I know it's impacted the fans because if you look at the level of optimism two weeks ago, three weeks ago, in comparison to where it is today around our title chances, it's very, very different. So it's had an impact on the fans. But can the players handle it? Can Mikel Arteta handle it? This is what we're going to find out, uh, of course, um, on uh, on Wednesday night. And I, I'm really nervous, but I can't wait for this one as well. So just to recap, my team, would be the same team, Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Partey, Odegaard, Xhaka, Martinelli, and Saka. Um, let's see uh, what you guys are saying in the live chat. Uh, Wandering Minstrel says, more space will be available in this game. Yeah, and part of the reason why I've gone or, or I've stuck with Martinelli, even though I understand the case for Trossard, I really do, is because I think that, Martinelli will get room. I think that Pep Guardiola is not one to compromise his style and his system, right? And he likes to tuck his forwards in, forwards, his fullbacks in, uh, as well as Mikel Arteta does. It's going to be really interesting to see how the two systems clash with one another. I thought we saw an intriguing tactical battle, at least in the first half of that game at the Etihad in the FA Cup. And I thought we came out on top. I thought we were the better side in the first half. Trossard played that day, but I looked at it and I thought, if that was Martinelli, and I understand the need for rotation and I had no issue with Trossard playing in the cup, but I just think Martinelli with that extra few yards of space that he just hasn't had against Brentford and he just had, didn't have against Everton could be a, a really big threat. You know, his directness is something that Manchester City don't like. His ability to kind of grab the game by the scruff of the neck is something that, you know, stands him out above a lot of people. Trossard was good in the first half at... At the Etihad, I'm not taking anything away from him. But this game feels like the one, more so than Everton and Brentford, that is suited to Martinelli. If you were going to leave Martinelli out, you probably should have done it at the weekend. You probably should have done it at Everton, where you knew you were going to come up against a low block, against a Man City team that I expect to be much bolder, much braver in their approach. I think Martinelli's the one to go with. Let's see what else. Uh, we've got uh, Steve says Eddie was often pressing on his own against Brentford. It was obviously ineffective. I agree with you. Um, I agree with you. You know, at times he was chasing shadows and there were times where the team as a whole looked jaded and looked as though it didn't have the capacity to press in the way that it has done throughout most of the season. And the problem is here is that we played on Saturday and it's Wednesday that we're playing again. And then we play again on Saturday in the early kickoff, which is not ideal. Um, it's frustrating, actually, that that's what our schedule looks like. And yeah, so, you know, the the, the thing about fatigue, I don't think physically we're going to be in any better shape than we were on Saturday, where we had had, you know, a week's rest. But I hope that mentally we can find that extra bit to get us over the line because I think sometimes that can happen, right? I think sometimes you can dig into the reserve, you can dip into the reserves and almost break those barriers of fatigue and tiredness to get yourself over the line in something if you're that fired up and you're that desperate for it. And hopefully, mentally, Arsenal will be in the right place and that will help them to live with and cope with the, the fatigue that I think we can all see um, over the last um, 
over the last few uh, few games. Uh, Name says, I would keep the system, but play Martinelli nine, allow him to drift to the left like Gabby Jesus does and play Trossard on the left. Interesting. Um, you know, again, that's another thing that people have been talking about over the last few days. Martinelli may be playing through the middle. A lot of people were disappointed with Eddie Nketiah's performance and, uh, against Brentford. And I was a little bit underwhelmed by it as well. But again, when I sort of broke it down and looked at it the next day in a bit more detail and with a calmer head and and sort of processed it that little bit more, the thing that I kept coming back to was, well, nobody really got any joy in a forward area for Arsenal. The wide players could make space, even with people coming up from fullback to support them. What chance did Eddie have against the back three? Um, and with Brentford doing a really good job of closing the space in between the back line and the midfield, there was nothing even in between the lines for him to expose. So, yeah, I mean, I I think Eddie could have done more, but I put his performance against Brentford sort of 30% down to what he did and what more he could have done. But 70% of that, is because of how Brentford defended in my my assessment. Um, Jid says, uh, City might be catching up, but let's not pretend they've been playing world-beating football this season. They are very beatable. That's really important as well. And, and that is a really valid point. And what happens is when you watch a team like Manchester City over a number of years be so dominant and be so, um, you know, controlling and be so flawless, I guess you want to say, you know, almost like a machine, then you do kind of get into this space mentally where you believe that it's impossible that they're going to drop points or you maybe give them more respect and more credit than they deserve. Yes, we should give them respect, but Mikel Arteta has to find the balance in his team talk between advising and, and making sure that we do pay them that attention and that respect, but also at the same time, making sure, um, you know, that we understand how good we are and the fact that they haven't been at anywhere near their best and so there's no reason why we shouldn't believe in our own ability to go on take the game to them and beat them um amira says i understand sticking with what's worked and gotten you here but what message does it send to the bench players if you keep picking underperforming starters remember martinelli's cameo at city in the fa cup that's a, a valid point that's a valid point but then amira i'm interested who for you needs to come in? Because one of the debates that we had during the transfer window was, did we strengthen enough? Did the players we bring in add enough for us to get over the line in the title charge? And my point was those players, the Trossards, the Kivios, the Jorginhos, they were brought in as players to enhance what we have and to provide support to what we have as opposed to come in and start. Trossard, I think, is good enough to be in the rotation. Jorginho, I don't. I don't, like, I, I never said that, or I don't think he's a bad player, and I actually think that as a backup, it was a pretty good signing, as I've already expressed. But do I start him in a game like this? No, I don't. So the only one that you can really debate and talk about is is probably uh, Trossard. Tomiyasu, maybe, you know, Tierney, maybe those players are part of that 15, 16 players now that we have that we look at as the, the wider first team. But it's in, it, I don't know. It's tough. It's a tough one. Um, Louis says pressure getting to them, Harry. The last couple of games have shown that. Talking about Arsenal, 
Um, he says, we're not winning on Wednesday, even though I hope we do. Matt says, Harry, who would you say is our most important player tomorrow? I think our most important player is going to be whoever plays on the left-hand side for us in the left wing position. And the reason I say that is because I expect Manchester City, if he's fit and available, to play probably Nathan Ake at left back to try and handle Bukayo Saka in the way that he did in the FA Cup game. They did a really good job of shutting him out because Nathan Ake, not a fullback by trade really, but a very good defender. And what they did and what City do is they try to find that balance, a lot like the way we used to do, where they'll push on one side's fullback, push him into midfield, and on the other side, they'll sort of morph into a back three when they're in possession or in the transition. And I think they're going to do that to Bukayo Saka again. I think they identified him as the biggest threat. They'll feel the same uh, going into the game on Wednesday. And I think they'll probably make special plans to deal with him. And therefore, we're going to have to create from somewhere else. Um, they'll also have a plan for Odegaard, I'm sure. Uh, Odegaard didn't start at the Etihad, so it's difficult to know what their plan of action will be in terms of trying to handle and cope with him. But... Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, but I think whoever plays on the left is going to be really, really important for us tomorrow because I do believe that they're going to do a job on Bukayo Saka and, and they've probably got that earmarked already. Uh, Afsar says, would you play three at the back and play for a draw and sneak a win? Uh, that's how we beat them in the 2020 FA Cup. I wouldn't because I believe that this Arsenal team are good enough to go out and beat Manchester City with our fans behind us. Under the lights, I believe that we're good enough to go and beat Manchester City. And look, if we lose, we lose. It can happen in football. You can lose matches and it'll be tough to take and it'll be a bitter pill to swallow. And yes, it may alter how we look at the title race in terms of our chances of going on and completing the charge for the title. Completely agree. But I would be disappointed if Arsenal didn't go out there tomorrow and play with some belief. You know, because that's what champions have. They have belief. They believe in their methods. They believe in their ability. And the, the best out there are the ones that believe so strongly in what they do that they stick to their guns and hold their nerve, even when they're going through a little bump in the road like we are now. I want to see Arsenal go out there and play Manchester City in the same way that we've played everybody this season, in the same way that we've played the other big sides this season, on the front foot, looking to make things happen, being aware of what we leave in behind us, being streetwise, those are very, very important things as well. But I want to see Arsenal go out there and take the game to Manchester City. Plus, we haven't worked with that formation for a long, long time. So to then expect everybody to be able to slot back into it, understand it as well as you know they understand the current system, I think is a big ask, especially going into a game like this. And I think one of the things that Pep Guardiola has been guilty of in recent years, as, as great as he's been as a manager, is overthinking big games. You think back to some of the finals, semi-finals that Manchester City have lost. It's because he's overcomplicated things, because he's thought twice, he's blinked, he's, he's worried about the opponent maybe more than he needs to because of how good his team are. And if I criticise Pep Guardiola for that in the last couple of years, maybe going back even further then I would be a hypocrite now if I said Mikel Arteta needs to change it. I think what we've done so far has been great. Um, this is a real opportunity for us to gain a real psychological boost, but also a big points advantage in the title race, having had that gap closed at the weekend. Let's go out there. Let's give it our all. And if we win, 
happy days. If we draw, we'll be content. If we lose, so be it. We have to move on and focus on the next game at the weekend. Let's um, let's move further down. Uh, Roche says benching Martinelli could actually push him to perform better. Trossard could be given a start, give him 50 plus minutes and then bring Martinelli on if it doesn't work. I wouldn't be like shocked if I turned up at the Emirates tomorrow and um, and Leandro Trossard was in the starting lineup. Like I wouldn't be shocked by that. Um, so, yeah. It's not what I would do, but as I say, it's not outrageous. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a crazy idea. It was a stupid idea. I'll tell you what is a crazy idea. I've seen it in the chat a couple of times and I saw it on Twitter this morning. The idea of taking Granite Xhaka out of the team to put a Fabio Vieira or an Emil Smith-Rowe, if he's available, I don't even think he's going to be available, in midfield. That, to me, is crazy. And I will call that one out. Uh, I'm not having that. Sorry. Um... What else have we got? A uh, big thank you to uh, Husky, who says, uh, Harry, you're the most likable and straight-talking Arsenal content creator out there. Thank you, mate. Uh, he says, keep up the good work, mate. Going to check out another slice soon. Thank you so, so much. And that gives me a good opportunity to plug uh, our membership proposition over on the Another Slice platform. If you visit www.anotherslice.com slash Chronicles of Aguna, you'll find the link in the description. If you create a, an account for free on the platform, Log in with that account and sign up to the Chronicles of Aguna. You will get access to our premium content, which at the moment is post-match player ratings within the hour of the full-time whistle after every single Arsenal game. You can only find those player ratings there. Um, and we do drop ad hoc bits of premium content here and there as well. Uh, we've got one in the pipeline for a little bit later on this week. Uh, which I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys. So um, it supports the podcast. It supports me uh, as a as a broadcaster to be able to spend more time uh, working on this podcast than other things. Um, keeps the lights on, all of that. But it also supports the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, who uh, we're going to support as well. Uh, we are supporting uh, through the uh, the membership pot as well. So. Thank you all so much in advance for your help with that. Uh, Damien says, why can't we have the same against us against the world mentality? Nobody wants us to win the league. We were robbed. That should put fire in our bellies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing that Mikel Arteta has to create. And I think he has created that to a degree. But obviously, when you're going well and everything's going brilliantly, you kind of you feel that air of invincibility and that takes time to build up, but it can be knocked down very, very quickly. And it feels like with a couple of disappointing results, we're in a much weaker place in that sense mentally than we have been over the last few months. So we need to, it's always important. I always say this, like when you do go through a blip that you minimize how long that blip goes on for, that's what it's all about. You can't avoid blips. They'll always come. You know, there are very few teams in football history that haven't had blips at some point. The difficulty or the art is in when you do suffer those blips, making sure that A, you learn from them and B, that you can turn it all around as quickly as possible because then you can get back to that confident feeling and you can get back to that mood and, and you know, it, it has less of an impact on your longer-term confidence or mood, uh, I should say. Uh, let's take some of... Um, but we'll take some of your thoughts in a minute, but let's uh, let's quickly have a quick look at uh, some of the statistics going into this game as we like to do on our preview shows. Uh, where is it? Here we go from premierleague.com. 50 meetings. 
between these two sides in Premier League history. Uh, the Gunners winning 23 of those matches, the City winning 17. And there have been, of course, 10 draws uh, between us. If we go back to um, the the most recent meetings uh, between these two sides, if we go back to uh, January 2022, Arsenal were beaten, weren't they, at Emirates Stadium by two goals to one. We were incredibly unlucky in that game. That was when you looked at Arsenal and you went, yeah, you know what, we might not make the top four. And we ended up not making the top four, which was obviously a bitter pill to swallow and very disappointing. Um, but we did give a great account of ourselves that day against Manchester City. And I think that was one of the first times people looked up and went, hold on a minute, like we are on the cusp of something quite special here. That was in stark contrast to the game that we played at the start of last season on the 28th of August during that dismal uh, beginning to the campaign that we had. We were beaten 5-0. Go back to Sunday, 21st of February. We lost by a goal to nil. Saturday, 17th of October, uh, we lost at the Etihad by a goal to nil. So small margins in those two games. Um, but the truth is we we haven't had a good time against Manchester City in the Premier League of late. They've been a fantastic uh, side. They've been champions um, most of the last few seasons for a reason. So, you know, we need to start turning this around at some point. And we're probably better equipped now to do that than we we ever have been, or, or at least in the last uh, couple of decades. So let's um, let's take confidence from that and let's go into this one with a bit of belief as I say if we take this on and we look at the form guide uh, between the two sides it doesn't exactly make perfect reading for either side Manchester City have lost two of their last five they were beaten at Spurs and they were beaten by Manchester United at Old Trafford in controversial circumstances it has to be said. Arsenal have lost just one of their last five, which is why I don't understand why people are making such a mountain out of a molehill. But of course, there have been a couple of draws in there, which has uh, impacted on our points tally. The Newcastle draw, very good side, challenging for the top four. I don't think that was one to get kind of caught up on. The Brentford draw is one that we were robbed of two points in. So again, I'm not going to really change my opinion on where this team are at on the back of that one game. Were there signs of fatigue? Yes. Were there signs of us not being at 100%? Yes. Were there signs of us not being at our absolute best? Yeah, of course there was. But not enough when you look at how the game was ultimately decided for us to say, oh my God, we've fallen off, we're finished, we're done. So let's curb that reaction a little bit. If we look at the seasons so far, uh, Arsenal sit, of course, top of the Premier League as it stands. We've won 16 games, City have won 15. Three draws apiece, Arsenal have lost twice, City have lost four times. So it goes back to that point that I made earlier on. Manchester City are not impossible to beat. Manchester City are not at the same level that they were in the last two, three seasons. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not capable of turning up on any given day and beating anybody because they've got so much talent within that group. But... Don't look at Manchester City as this impossible force that you cannot beat. Four teams have beaten them already this season. There's no reason why we can't be the fifth. Average goal score per match, they do score more goals than us. 2.55 per match, they average, we average 2.19. That's obviously taken a bit of a hit, that average in recent weeks and in recent times. But it goes back to also what I was saying earlier, and I hadn't looked at these statistics prior, but when I said that they are more clinical, uh, that they do um, 
convert a greater amount of chances and probably create more chances as well. All of those things uh, are backed up by the st stats that you can see here. And you look at um, chances created per match, 2.95 for Man City. That's the Premier League's definition of a clear-cut chance, as is 1.76. So they create more, they score more. Um, they don't keep more clean sheets, though. Arsenal have got nine, they've got eight. Defence has been a problem for them. You know, it has. And yes, they're getting some players back now, but they need time to get up to speed. They need time to get up to form. Arsenal can do this, guys. Arsenal can do this. The more I talk about it, the more I believe, genuinely. Uh, top player stats, well, it's a full house for Manchester City here. Goals, Erling Haaland has got 25 goals in the Premier League. 25 goals in the Premier League is crazy at this stage. Uh, Martin Odegaard has got eight, and he's in second place. So that shows you how way out in front Erling Haaland is. When it comes to assists, Kevin De Bruyne, top of the class, as he tends to be. Uh, 11, Bukayo Saka second uh, in with eight. Uh, passes, Rodri sitting at the uh, base of their midfield, leads the way on that, and tackles Rodri uh, leads the way on that as well. But only three more than uh, Thomas Partey in the Premier League so far this season, and only four more than Ben White. So, um, yeah, that's um, that's the statistical look ahead to this one. Let's get some of your predictions in the live chat. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys uh, in terms of how you think this one's going to go. Uh, while you're doing that, if I could ask you to do two things, uh, leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand new. And if you're listening on audio, uh, then please, of course, do leave us a review as well. Um, my prediction is an Arsenal 3-1 win. Uh, I feel like Arsenal will score goals. I think that like, we're due to score goals. Um, I think the atmosphere inside the ground is going to be incredible. I think there's going to be a real buzz around the place. I think we've seen that the crowd inside the ground get behind the team now more than they ever have in the last decade or so. And you can really feel that. And I think that's going to be important. Let's be honest, Manchester City don't have an atmosphere. I went up there for the FA Cup game and it was dead as a doornail. It was really, really bad. They aren't used to this. They aren't used to... Uh, raucous grounds and you couldn't even say that about the Emirates two years ago so that shows again how different the mood is within the club let's go out there let's believe in ourselves let's take the game to Manchester City let's do all the things that we've been training all season to do let's apply all the principles that we've applied throughout the duration of the campaign so far that has us in this position where Manchester City are chasing us down there is a need to be streetwise there is a need to be alert there is a need to manage the game better than we have done in recent weeks as well. But come on, um, we can do this. And if we do, it would be massive. If we don't, as in if we get beat, we have to dust ourselves off and go again on Saturday. All won't be lost, but it does make our task a lot harder and a lot more difficult. If we draw, I think we can be quite content with that. It's not ideal, but it's something that, you know, doesn't damage our current position and it's one game less that we've played, uh, sorry, it's one game more played and one game less moving forward that we have to play against Manchester City. So, yeah, um, let's go out there, as Dan says in the comments, and really make a statement. Let's believe in the team. Also, uh, while you guys are getting your predictions in the chat, uh, just a quick uh, little plug, because tomorrow night I'll be covering the game for BBC Radio London, uh, which you can listen to, obviously, on BBC Sounds. You can listen to on digital radio. You can listen to on 94.9 FM if you're in the London area. Um, 
we are going to be building up to this game live from the Emirates Stadium uh, for an hour uh, going into kickoff. So there's going to be loads and loads of Arsenal chat. We've got some guests joining us. Former Arsenal defender uh, Matthew Upson, I'm being told, is going to join me uh, at the point to discuss um, Arsenal season so far. Obviously, look ahead to the game as well. So I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, but we're just going to be doing some full-on Arsenal coverage, and I promise you, you'll enjoy it. It might help you settle the nerves uh, going into the game. But that's on uh, BBC Radio London coming up tomorrow in the hour leading up to kickoff. So I'll be on that, and uh, and I can't wait. I'll be doing that live from inside Emirates Stadium. Okay, uh, let's see what some of your uh, predictions are. Rosh says at one nil Arsenal win. Uh, Jid says three one to the Arsenal. Afsar says one one draw. Alex Jones has gone. Uh, for a 2-0 Arsenal win. Essen has gone for uh, 3-1 Arsenal. Um, Louis says, I admire your confidence, Harry. Um, wish I could be as confident as that 3-1 prediction. Um, but he's going to go for the same prediction and in the end anyway. Um, Name says, I don't know why, but Arsenal going to turn him over 3-0. That's very confident. Uh, Nick says, 4-1 Manchester City. Uh, the scary thing is, is that's not beyond the realms of possibility because we know they can turn it on. Uh, Amira says uh, 2-1, Eddie and Trossard with the goals. Raphael's gone for 2-1, Arsenal. Mohamed has gone for a 3-1 City win. Johan, 3-2, Arsenal. And Steve has gone for 2-2. Interesting uh, variety of predictions there. So, mine is a 3-1 Arsenal win. My kind of final message before I sign out is come on, you Gunners, go out there, be bold, be brave, take the game to Manchester City, do all of the things, apply all of the principles that have got us to where we are today. Trust in the process. Um, trust in trust in what we do. Trust in what's got us to this point. And, uh, and we'll see each other on the other side. Um, Post-match player ratings will be with you on the Another Slice platform within about an hour of the full-time whistle. As for the post-match podcast, I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to do that just yet. It may be quite late on Wednesday night, depending on what time I get home, or it might be first thing on Thursday morning. It's just dependent uh, on timings. I'll probably be more up for coming home at an ungodly hour and doing it on Wednesday night if we win the game, I'll be honest, uh, than I would be if we lost the game. Maybe I need a bit of time to chill out and calm down and, and analyze it a bit more fairly on the Thursday. But anyway, on Thursday, we'll bring you some form of content anyway. Um, and um, yeah, I will see you all on the other side. Goodbye. Take care. And uh, come on, you gunners. Up the Arsenal. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.